0: Welcome to Epidemiology Now. My name is Eun Lee. Epidemiology Now is a podcast prepared for students in Health 323, Introduction to Epidemiology at Queen's University. Hello, everyone. Um, today, the topic that we're going to discuss is social epidemiology, and we have Dr. Roman Pabayo. Um, Dr. Pabayo has been working in the field for many years with impressive accolades and achievements. And Dr. Pabayo is currently a Canada Research Chair in Social Epidemiology and an assistant professor in the School of Public Health at the University of Alberta. His educational background is also very impressive. Obtained his Bachelor of Science at McMaster, Master of Science at McGill, PhD at University of Montreal, and postdoctoral fellowship at Harvard. Uh, so we're gonna be talking to um, Dr. Pabayo about social epidemiology today. Welcome.
1: Uh thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> me. My pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks for talking with us. So, so, do you want to give our students a sense of who you are in any way? You want to um, describe yourself.
1: Okay. So, um, traditionally, I was um, I was trained as a traditional sense of in epidemiology. Um, so, as you know, from um, you know your lectures, I guess, is that uh, epidemiology is what the study um, of the distribution, so study analysis of the distribution of, of so who, when, and where uh, of patterns and determinants of health and, and disease conditions and defined populations, right? Mm-hmm. So um, basically there are, are, you know, there are risk factors, there are patterns that are, that are observed when we think about risk factors, um, and a disease, you know, you know um, it's never really random, you know, who gets a disease. There are certain patterns mm-hmm. that we as epidemiologists, we try to observe, identify, um, and then um, use that data and that information to create interventions and try to make um, public health um, more healthier and better for everyone, for the whole population. As a social epidemiologist, um, so when I went to uh you know in canada i was trained traditionally i did a lot of work in um my master's and my phd on nutrition physical activity and smoking you know these um behaviors these three behaviors um you know what are predictors what are risk factors for these for these behaviors and um when i went to the united states um you know, I worked with Achiro Kowachi, who is a, you know, international world-renowned um, social epidemiologist. I got more involved with the social aspect of epidemiology. So when I when I talk about social epidemiology, I'm talking about the social, I study the social determinants of health using an epidemiological perspective. Mm-hmm. So the social determinants of health, um, which has been endorsed by the World Health Organization, um, is our, is the study of you know um, the places and the condi- the conditions, or oh, the, for example, the social conditions in which um, we are born, grow, live, work, um, and um, it doesn't just focus on the individual. It focuses. Uh, it's more complex, right? It's not just individual choice. It's more about how these conditions influence our health. And also, um, I think what's over, what's 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 missed is that they um, uh, or overlooked, is that there is um, a key aspect of the social determinants of health framework, is that um, there's inequity, okay? So that not everyone is, has um, equal access to social goods. So for example, the health, um, income or um, power or, um, uh, or resources. So, if, so some people have better access to social goods, so the education, occupation, um, money, than other groups, um, and you could think about, um, you know, some some of these. You could identify some of these. You know, so for example, if we think of a social good as safety, or you know, not having to worry about walking home alone at night, um, mm-hmm. you know that um, men are more likely to or less likely to have to experience um, any kind of danger you know and women are more likely to experience that danger so that inequity there
2: mm-hmm. um
1: is um is so, sort of what we study in social is um in social epidemiology and i just want to stress also that we look at it in a quantitative manner so we use statistical analyses um we would call it number crunching um to come up or to help explain um, what we observe
2: mm-hmm.
1: through data, hard hard data.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and in in your description, um, you have mentioned that we need to provide equitable access to people. Um, so, so at, and I know that you've done research around you know looking at income inequality, um, you know racial inequality, gender inequality. So when we talk about equity and equality, like what are the differences and and are they related?
1: Okay, that, that's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so the, both describe, equity and e- equality describe differences um, or variations in mm-hmm. access to social goods, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The issue, the difference between um, equity or inequity and inequality is that Inequity is due to some sort of um, bad policy or social mm-hmm. injustice. Mm. These could be prevented. Mm-hmm. Um, and equality inequality is more, um, doesn't have to do with uh, with some sort of bad policy.
2: It mm-hmm. uh, could be
1: biologic, for example. So, for example, we if we look at the COVID outbreak right now,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or a pandemic. We see that older people are more likely to... Um, to be, uh, to experience the adverse effects of being, of getting sick, you know? It's, and it's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of times it has to do with, um, with, uh, you know, biologic, uh, sort of, about, like, because they're older, their immune systems aren't working as as well, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and younger people are more, are less likely, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, to experience these adverse effects. So, but I also want to point out that inequity and equality um, something could be an, an inequity to, to, to one person, could be perceived as an inequity to one person, but it's not um, perceived as a, uh, in an mm-hmm. as an as inequity to another person. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I just gave the example of the old, older age, you know, mm-hmm. being biologic, you know, mm-hmm. um, that it's an inequality. But let's say um, we know that older people are more likely to live in... Um, long-term living uh, facilities, and that there's like policies have been put in place to protect elderly people living in these, in, in these uh, long-term facilities. So for example, we know that, um, you know, that uh, exposure to people, um, to workers, um, PSWs, um, personal support workers, going mm-hmm. from different um, centers uh, ha- is, is a driving force or, 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 or a risk factor for infection. Um, and therefore um, adverse health outcomes amongst the elderly, if the policies aren't put in place to prevent these um, these these uh, infections, then like, for example, like making sure that um, PS, PSWs don't work in different, um, uh, different centers, et cetera, then that would be, in my opinion, an inequity because there mm-hmm. are policies that could have been put in place to prevent that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah. So, that, that's the, the difference between inequity and inequality.
0: Yeah, so I guess the main difference is that equity is something that we can achieve by having equitable policies and programs or um, equal or equitable allocation of investment right. and resources, whereas equality is something out of our control uh, and more of the outcome of the equitable policies and programs, would you say?
1: So, uh, yeah, so the in terms of inequity, yes, exactly, like you're mm-hmm. right, it has to do with some sort of bad policy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, inequality has to do something, it could be random, or it could be due to mm-hmm. some biological function that we cannot prevent through um, a policy.
0: Right, so in social epidemiology, looking at those bad policies can be one of the things that, that uh, social epidemiologists do. So, in Canada, do we have any examples of, of um, bad policies?
1: Um, okay, uh, so when-
0: <laughs> This is non-political conversation. <laughs> right, I mean, well, it has to
1: be a political conversation because yeah. when we talk about inequity, we're talking about bad policies or bad mm-hmm. politics that drive the inequities.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, there are several, uh, for example, um, you could talk about um, the bill in Quebec um, that bans public servants from uh, wearing religious religious um, uh, symbols.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're systematically, this policy systematically discriminates, discriminates, discriminates against um, people who wear um, religious symbols, who can no longer um, uh you know, be employed in positions such as, you know, teachers, daycare teachers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, working as a bus driver, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're disproportionately um, limiting them in comparison to people who don't wear these um, religious symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, you know, you're limiting their occupational choices. And we know mm-hmm. that occupation is tied to, you know, um, uh, the social conditions; it is a social mm-hmm. condition in which we are born, grow, etc. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and not alone the, the impacts of discrimination felt by laws such as this law mm-hmm. um, that could um, make a you know a negative impact on on mental health, on health overall, etc.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, That's
1: one. I mean, it's, yeah. historically, Canada has implemented, uh, you know, there have been lots of laws that discriminate um, based on, um, you know, religion, race, ethnicity, you have mm-hmm. the, um, in the, uh, the residential schools um, uh, implemented to, um, you know, the, scooped up the Indigenous children. Um, and, you know, strip them of their culture, et cetera. Um, and that, mm-hmm. those negative impacts are still felt today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there are researchers such as, uh, like yourself, working on uh, this area of research um, and really tackling important health issues or, and social issues that we have in Canada and also globally. Um, so when, we, when you think about you know, indigenous health um, and all the disadvantages that they have as as a population group in Canada and as a social epidemiologist, how do you see it changing in the near future? Because we have been talking about this for a long time, but it hasn't been, like we haven't been making a lot of progress. Um, So do you have any comments on on that regard?
1: Well, I think it takes a lot of um, work, um, and, you know, I don't have, it's, it, that's a very tough, that's actually a very tough question to answer mm-hmm. because I think, um, until we redistribute, um, you know, equitably, you know, social goods, resources, power, etc., um, the social determinants of health, um, we need to do that in order to, to over, to, um, To overcome the history um, and the effects of these policies Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, uh, that that have had on 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 population health, um, particularly among groups that have experienced, um, such as the indigenous populations, that have experienced um, um, these negative impacts of of these laws and these policies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I think you know acknowledging is as a start and we we've, we've seen that happening in the university level but i think it needs to go beyond that i think we need to um act upon um you know uh through our policies um in our interventions etc that we implement um mm-hmm. in order to um you know to ha- achieve equitable health for mm-hmm. all
0: mm-hmm. okay um Okay, going back to your work. So, you know, we, our students watched your, your short video about finding solutions through social epidemiology. Um, and you mentioned how epidemiology is used to find solutions for health problems we have. And you alluded to, to this issue, and maybe you have already answered. But in late term, like, can you explain briefly how, how you do that, how you apply epidemiological? Methods in social epidemiology.
1: Okay, so a lot of times um, interventions or policies are put in place, and um, you know, there's, uh, you know, what I do is I tend to um, that through my work is I um, evaluate the impact of these of these um, of these policies. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if a government comes in and we're going to raise the minimum wage, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, because. Um, you know, we feel it could benefit um, the population, especially people from lower socioeconomic status backgrounds. So, um, you know, what I would do is I would collect data um, before and after this intervention has taken place or or get the data, get access to data that's already been collected. So secondary Mm -hmm. data analysis um, Mm -hmm. and try to come up, try to um, figure out um, or determine the impact of these increases in, in minimum wages, and this is just one example, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and see if it affects, um, you know, um, health outcomes in particular. For mm-hmm. example, what I've been looking at is uh, mental health outcomes. You know, does it impact depression? Does it um, does it um, uh, alleviate the burden of depression within populations that
2: you know mm-hmm.
1: um, where this intervention has taken place? Um,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. that's one example so basically looking at policies that hope to alleviate um, um, uh, inequality or even policies that could potentially create more inequality or inequity um, and look at the effects of that too as well Mm -hmm. right
2: right
0: yeah so um yeah you mentioned about your work looking at the the uh, the, the impact of you know, some of the social determinants of health on depression among among adolescents. So and there's an article um, about about that briefly explaining what your study is about. So um, you know, in that article, in that news article, you talk about how income inequality and neighborhood deprivation and lack of social cohesion in in their neighborhoods, uh being intertwined and intermingled with, with you know gender issues and together contributing to depression, especially among girls. So it looks like you know it really brings home the issue of intersectionality and, and its impact on health. So can you elaborate a little bit more on on that? Are you are you currently studying on, on that issue on that topic?
1: Well, one of the studies that I'm looking at is income inequality um amongst um uh Um, young mothers in Calgary, looking at income inequality within Mm neighbourhoods. From my previous research in the study that you cited, um, we found um, that income inequality, so the gap between rich and poor within Mm -hmm. a state, um, in one study, um, uh, is associated with um, depression amongst um, women in the United States.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, if a woman lived in a state where there is large gaps between rich and poor, um, they were more of experiencing depression during a certain follow up um, follow up time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, but not we found that it wasn't significant among among men. And some of the um, reasons that we discussed what possibilities of why this we found this or observed this this um, this finding. Was that um, you know inequality affects um, uh, women and girls differently than, than it does um, um, with men. So um, one way of looking at it is that you know um, is that among uh, girls and women, they're more likely to internalize um, the adverse effects of, of inequality so and that results in depression and in another study we looked at um, uh, um, aggression and we found that um, income inequality or the gap between rich and poor within neighborhoods was associated with aggressive so more externalizing um, behaviors amongst um, amongst boys um, living in the Boston area so we found that there was this differential um, um, impact of income inequality um, um, that is expressed depending on the gender. So amongst women, it was, um, they tend to internalize, and then therefore there was depression, more likely to be depressed. And Then amongst men or boys, um, it was more likely to externalize, and then you have um, some sort of, you know, uh, they're more likely to experience um, either victim, perpetu- um, being victims of uh, of aggression and violence, or um, being perpetrators of aggression and violence.
2: Um,
1: and so you did mention the um, uh, intersectionality. Um, so intersectionality refers to how um, certain um, uh, you know characteristics or population groups. Um, if, um, Um, If they were to combine, uh, they they are more likely to experience or the the adverse effects of experiences inequality is exasperated. So Mm -hmm. if um, you're a woman um, from lower socioeconomic status backgrounds and you're a racial minority, um, the effects of the inequality is exasperated or that you it's um, more um, uh, amplify, the effects of this inequality is amplified. And mm-hmm. so you're more likely to experience, um, if you're a member of multiple groups that experience um, inequality or inequity, um, that uh, the, this these feelings or these inequities, these health inequities are, are amplified.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... That's very interesting. Um, and also, I want to talk about your the, the other article. So it's the title is three things that can make you sick. And in that article, it is mentioned that, that you know, what you eat and how active inactive you are, whether or not you smoke cigarettes, or you drink alcohol regularly, or not like you um, are more susceptible to to um, poor health, but but it is also mentioned that, you know, there are other factors that could be more important and maybe out of your control. And those are the social determinants of health, right? So, you know, again, when we talk, when we think about, you know, equitable allocation of investment and resources for better health for all, um, and when we think about interventions, which one should be, should be. Should receive more money or receive more resources if you have to wait it in? And I know the answer already, but I just want you to um, articulate on that.
1: So, sorry, can you? Which, which, which? What are the two options again? Would you? say? Yeah. So,
0: so there are behavioral factors, right? Like physical okay. activity, sedentary behavior, alcohol consumption, mm-hmm. cigarette smoking, and there are these uh, social determinants of health, like right. yeah, gender, race, ethnicity, um, SES, etc.
1: Okay, so upstream versus further downstream, right?
2: Yes. And yeah. so
1: I think, um, you know, in Canada, we focus, we do focus, tend to focus on the behaviors, but we forget to um, understand is that, um, what was often overlooked is that predictors of these behaviors are these social risk factors, mm-hmm. these social determinants of health. hmm so, for example, um, people from lower socioeconomic status backgrounds are less likely to be physically active, they're more likely to smoke, etc. So if um, if we want to um, target these behaviors, um, mm-hmm. a more effective way is to mm-hmm. go further upstream and then address these social inequities um, in order to help create better health Um Uh, health outcomes or more equitable health, um, uh, decrease the health inequities um, amongst populations that are more likely to experience these um, um, uh, health inequities or social inequities or these behaviors. Right. Um, So um, I would argue is that if we want a more healthy population, we target the social inequalities or social inequities that are driving these health mm-hmm. disparities.
2: Mm-hmm. And these
1: include the health behaviors, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times, you know, policies are put in place without taking into consideration the social inequities
2: mm-hmm.
1: or the social injustice that is driving the, um, right. the these health behavioral and health outcome inequities.
0: Yeah, so these upstream factors like social determinants, health, they are kind of the root causes um, that feeds that feeds into these behavioral factors and Mm -hmm. and make people sick or make people healthy. Um, But you also mentioned that there are there is in Canada there is uh, this public health narrative uh, focusing on behavioral factors and and intervening with those factors. Do you know why that happens? Why instead of targeting upstream factors?
1: That's a that's a really good question. I think um I think a lot of times, you know, people tend to blame the victim. It's mm-hmm. easier to blame the victim or blame people who are participating or mm-hmm. taking on these, you know, negative behaviors. Oh, the person smokes, so oh, then he deserves what he gets for or she deserves mm-hmm what they get for, um, smoking to get lung cancer, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is ridiculous because like it's more complex than that. You know, why mm-hmm. people smoke is a lot more complex than, or participate in any negative health behavior or mm-hmm. adverse health behavior. Um, mm-hmm. it is, is a lot more complex. And mm-hmm. I think if we address, you know, further upstream, um, you know, even start, know when when we're when when with children when they're younger before these health behaviors take into effect if we address the social inequities um that you know um we could help prevent um people adopting these behaviors um either later on uh, Mm -hmm. later on or you know in adulthood or childhood or whatever so Mm
0: -hmm. right um so okay so You know, it sounds like your research, the things that you do um, is no doubt very social justice oriented um, and you use quantitative methods. So you look at things quantitatively and Mm. using epidemiological methods. Um, So can you elaborate on what that means? So, you know, these are 30 year undergraduate students and there are, yeah, there is quantitative research and there is qualitative research value. So when you compare that, and from the population health pr- perspective, you know, what are the benefits of quantitative research and looking at things in a quantitative way, would you okay. say?
1: So um, so quantitatively, what, what I mean by that is like, I take you know, data from, um, you know, numerical quantitative data, like so numbers, mm-hmm. either through surveys, or mm-hmm. and link them with administrative data. So for, let's say hospital data mm-hmm. or mortality data or mm-hmm. birth data. So like data that's, you know, there's um, data that's collected on the birth certificate or on death certificates, et cetera. All this is housed in Statistics Canada, right? And if I just apply to get access to this data, I, I could do some sort of quant quantitative analysis. So think of number crunching, to look at associations, to look at, um, you know, whether or not they be causal or whatever, to see um, if there are relationships um, between, you know, exposures of interest such as um, the social determinants of health and health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be done, you know, cross-sectionally you know, at one point in time or over time just to see if sure. there are associations, especially if you're looking at gaps and if we don't know um, if there are gaps in the knowledge in Canadian, you know, in Canada, for example. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to, study, you know, if things have been observed or there's theories that, that, um, that you theorize, you know, like, so for example, you think that income inequality or racial discrimination is bad for our health, um, which has been shown in other studies, you know, how if, we, if there's a gap in Canada, could I identify the data sources and then um, do um, quantitative analysis that way? And then um, look at associations or relationships between um, our exposures and health outcomes. Um, that's um, that's one, uh, That's this is pretty much what I do. Some sort of, you know, using regression or analytical techniques, sophisticated analytical techniques to identify or observe, potentially observe these, um, these relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so what was the second part of your question again?
0: Um, <laughs> I think that was it.
1: Oh, okay. And what's yeah. the, what's the benefit or? Right. Or,
0: yeah. What, you know, like what's the, be- from the po- population health, health point perspective. Of view, yeah. I think when it
1: comes to, to numbers, numbers, when you, it's easy to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you say, if um someone who is poor, from com- someone from a low socioeconomic status background, or someone who has no education, who didn't get a chance to go to university,
2: mm-hmm. is three
1: times likelier to smoke and therefore get lung cancer, or, or then fourth, and then five times more likely to, to get lung cancer in comparison to those who mm-hmm. have come from a more wealthier background. Um, you know, these numbers are very easy to digest, and the impact um, is uh, is pretty you know it's pretty clear, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, you know, again, refer back to the pandemic, the um, the uh, the COVID pandemic, we could see that, you know, certain age groups are more likely to experience um, the adverse or more, uh, more detrimental effects of the COVID infection than mm-hmm. younger, you know, than the younger groups or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We also can see that people from, you know, um, it's been observed, but, you know, I think we need more data is that people from, from uh, racial backgrounds, you know, so people from, um, you know, in the United States, they've, they've, they observed this, um, they've, they collect race data a lot better in the United States. So they've been managed to, they've actually been able to observe that people from African-American or Latino backgrounds are more likely Mm -hmm. to experience not only infection, but also experience negative adverse effects of um, being infected by COVID in comparison to white um, Americans. So Mm -hmm. when you see numbers, you know, like say five times more likely or three times more likely or they're less likely, Mm -hmm. you know, if you could attach a quantitative number to that, it's Mm -hmm. very helpful. The impact or the the message
2: Mm -hmm. um, being
1: sent across is pretty, um, can be quite clear. you know, I'm not saying it's the complete picture, but it could it could um, um, provide um, information or more um, uh, knowledge that could mm-hmm. help um, people um, try to explain why this is so. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, why is it that people from minority backgrounds are more likely to experience adverse effects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know so people might argue it's I've, I've heard people say it's a genetics but no it's because you know um the health conditions um that people put that are put at greater risk um which include what um hypertension um you know diabetes are, are more prevalent in 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 populations um of uh from you know uh, racialized populations in the united states mm-hmm. um, or in poor um people who Uh, are from lower socioeconomic status backgrounds because they can't afford to, you know, um, um, they don't have access to the social goods that leads to a healthier, more, um, uh, a better well-being sort of life.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So, in essence, quantitative data provides uh, something that are um, easily digestible, um, but also um, the, the with clarity, so it can yeah. deliver clear messages, uh, public facing mm-hmm. messages on important health issues and really um, address, really highlight the impact.
1: Right, so if you say that, um, you know, if you wear a mask, you're less likely to get um, COVID, COVID, then, mm-hmm. you know, there's usually a number attached to it. Um, right. And that could help um, j- um, send that message the Mm -hmm. public health message across
2: right Mm -hmm.
0: yeah right okay um so i just have one last question so you know many of our students will be uh, in health professions after graduation so do you have any advice or anything that you would like to convey to to our
1: students oh okay (laughs) Um. so from a social epidemiologic perspective um i think one of the reasons why I'm a social epidemiologist is, is because um, I always sort of tend to um, gravitate or root for people that experience some sort of injustice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it takes a lot to understand, um, you know, not only to understand your one person's, um, you know, um, lack of privilege, but to understand your own privilege too, as well. Um, And I think that's a big a, a huge step that, you know, being university students, um, you have had the opportunities and the privilege of get, to getting to where you are. Um, and, you know, not everyone has those privileges. Um, and so, you know, um, as health professionals, um, I think understanding that could lead to uh, to better compassion, to better compassion to, to those who you will be um, one day treating or working with or studying, um, et cetera, whether you're a researcher mm-hmm. or a clinician. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hope that's...
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. well, thanks, Dr. Pabayo, for, uh, for speaking with us um, today. Oh, you're and... welcome,
1: my pleasure. Yeah.
2: Okay, So thanks. Okay. Thanks.